Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks. Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. <laughs> and the technology. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And today we revisit our series on unlikely cover songs of the 80s with an all-female lineup of artists. You know what an older woman does for me? Changes your diapers. Touche. Stuck in the 80s is supported by the 80s Cruise. Join Spearsy and me on the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas in March 2022 for an amazing trip back in time. Headliners for the cruise that week include the Human League. ABC, 38 Special, Berlin, Morris Day in the Time, Belinda Carlisle, Dire Straits Legacy, Modern English, John Parr, and many more. Use the promo code STUCK when booking to get $200 in cabin credit. But do it soon. The cruise has fewer than 10 cabins left for sale. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more details. <laughs> I am the monarch of the sea. Hey everybody, it's Steve and Brad, Woo-hoo. and uh, what are we whacked up on today? I've been drinking lots of Aquafina. I'm, I'm still in New York, and I'm still on my uh, soda ban, and uh, still trying to drink only wine during weekdays. So nice. I, I can't promise an even podcast performance today. You are hanging on by a very thin thread. <laughs> And I dig that about you. Well, we'll dig deep. We'll find something for you. I myself am uh, sitting here in the chair while inside my body a battle is raging as my immune system learns to fight the COVID. Sounds like a subdural hematoma to me. Oh, it does, does it? Well, it's not your job to diagnose. But I thought. You thought, you thought, just go. That's right. You got a shot today. I did. And you'd go. You don't know what you're going to get. And uh, I got the Johnson & Johnson. So not only did I give my first shot, I got my only shot. I'm done. Isn't that weird that like you go to get the shot and you don't know what kind of shot you're going to get? It's a little strange, but uh, you know, I think somebody said I've seen this several places. The best vaccine is the one that's available when you sit down in the chair, and uh, you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm trying to get uh, an appointment for next week when I'm back in Florida. It's it's tough. I mean, it, yeah. in Florida now, it's pretty much open to everybody, but the system for scheduling appointments is <laughs> I don't know. It's yeah. pretty much akin to the. The voting system for the Rock Hall of Fame. Nobody really <laughs> understands it. Everyone's just basically unhappy about it. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the uh, U2 tour where they were selling tickets on the phone only and you could only buy two tickets. And, you know, you'd sit, I was sitting at my desk just redialing, redial, redial, redial. And it's the same kind of thing. I was just, when I they announced that, you know, our age group was eligible in California, I just started getting on and going to like different pharmacy sites and refresh, 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 refresh. And I managed to get an appointment, but it was, you know, I don't, I don't know how people who don't sit in front of a computer where they can just pivot to the internet for a few minutes now and then do this. It's got to be hard. Anywho. Anyway, enough about my uh, vaccination status, which I know is fascinating <laughs> to you all. 
I, we had this series going for a while where we talked about songs from the 80s that we didn't realize were covers. And we've probably done, I don't know, seven installments of it over the years. I, I can't even tell you what the number is. But yeah, seven's <laughs> a good number. I like that number. And, and we, we have this like Google Doc where we look at it and we try to keep track of what we've covered so we don't cover it over and over again. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Hey, it's, did it's, you know Gloria by Laura by Laura Branigan's a cover? Yes, I yes, did. Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start me on that story. But here's here's why we're doing it this week. So last weekend, HBO debuted the new documentary about Tina Turner, and it's just called Tina. And I think it's it's about two hours long, maybe two and a half hours long. Okay, so it's like a single. It's not like a episodic. No, like, and it's it's and it's a it's not and it's not a bio drama. There's nobody playing Tina Turner. It is a straightforward documentary. Okay, and it oh, goes, nice, nice. It goes all the way back to, you know, her growing up in Tennessee and hooking up with Ike Turner. I mean, the 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 whole first half of the movie is is Ike and Tina Turner, and then the whole second half of the movie is after she moved on in the late seventies. But let me just say this. I've always admired Tina Turner. You know, I, I don't think I ever owned her albums, but you didn't need to because it was always on the radio well, and always right, on TV. Yeah. But until you see this documentary, you'll never truly appreciate her. It is phenomenal. It is riveting. You can't turn it off. Okay. I mean, that's high praise indeed. I will put it on the watch list for me and the long-suffering Mrs. Williams. <laughs> What is it, Peg? <laughs> it's just the love. But the one takeaway I had as we were watching it was, my God, she does a lot of cover songs. <laughs> she she didn't write her own stuff. I don't, as far as I can tell, she people wrote her songs. Yeah. So she had songwriters who were writing songs, you know, and offering them to whomever, and you know, right. sometimes just trying to shop the shop it yeah. around. Sometimes she got it first. Sometimes she got it third. But what you realize when you watch this documentary is that, I mean, all the songs that you associate with, that's a Tina Turner song. Well, I mean, not not so much. So what we're going to do is we are going to have an all-female edition of the Covers podcast today. But two of the songs, the first and the last, will both be Tina Turner songs, you know, as a, as a tribute to that amazing documentary and because – it just kind of blows my mind that so many songs that I, I just think of as that is hers. Right. It turns out it really wasn't. So, ready to get started? Let's do this thing. Let's see our first category. <laughs> Ladies of the 80s. Here's our first Tina Turner song. There's nothing more distinctively her than what's love got to do with it. Yeah. Again, this is one of those, that's a cover? No. Well, here we get into a little bit of murkiness. Well, that's okay. We've we've murked before. Yeah. So most people know that this song comes off her album, Private Dancer, from 1984. It is her most successful single. Oh. 
It was her first and only number one song on the Hot 100. Okay. She's retired now. So, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, safe to say she's not going to. Yeah, unless unless some of this out. music makes a comeback as a result of the documentary, yeah, which wouldn't that, shock me. That could be. Sure. That's been known to happen. Anyway, at the time that this came out, she was 44 years old. She was the oldest solo female artist to top the top 100 chart. Oh, my gosh. I'd bite your arm off to be 44 years old. <laughs> <laughs> it did amazing. It won three awards at the Grammys in 85. It got Record of the Year, Song of the Year, which I, I never understood that. That whole silliness, but maybe let's not some musician it. can come on and explain that to us. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gee, I don't know. Someone actually came on our podcast as a guest. That's just so verboten these days. And it also won uh, best female pop vocal performance. So nice. And if you're thinking, yeah, I kind of, I kind of, you know, what else? Wasn't there a film they used that as a title? Yeah, there was a 1993 film. I think Angela Bassett played. Right. Okay. Okay. I wasn't Tina. imagining that. Yeah, kind of Which knocking is, around the back corner of my brain there. But by, by the way, there's this really awkward moment in the documentary when that movie comes out. They're doing a press event, and Angela and Tina Turner are sitting right next to each other at the press table. Okay. And the first question is, you know, asking Tina what she thought of the movie. She Uh-oh. says, "She says I I haven't watched it." And like, well, why not? She's like, "Well, it includes a lot of stuff about a." period of my life that frankly I don't want to revisit and you know going through it once was enough oh see she should have just pulled out the the Pee Wee Herman I don't have to watch it I lived it (laughs) but you could just the look on Angela's face sitting next to her just is like like you know pucker time I mean just that that horrible I'm trying to smile but inside I'm I'm my soul is dying what the heck just happened here (laughs) yeah that that has to be a. That has to be really strange to be playing a, a living person who is well known and have them sitting at the table next to you. Like I pretended to be you. Like, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. How lovely. So you actually had a man beat on you for half your life? No, I just pretended <laughs> no, like I just you did. Oh. oh, well, call me after you've been beaten. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to belittle. I'm not trying to make a joke out of domestic no, violence. No, no. I just I, it's got to be a very surreal experience on both yeah. sides of the coin. It, it it's just a weird. I mean, that's why know. I shot down the Steve Spears Brad Williams movie, uh, you know, about our lives. It just well, and, and until Jim Belushi agrees to play me, I, I'm just not going to agree to it. So. Oh no, there's an interesting segue. Cast the podcast. Who would you cast? I think the only person who could play herself would be uh, Jen with one N. I just don't see anybody stepping forward and be able to handle that. So, yeah, it's hard to say. Anyway, anyway, anyway so sorry. The- off, off on the tangents goes Brad. The the point being, it was a cover song. It was written by uh, a songwriting duo named uh, Terry Britton and Graham Lyle, and they offered it to Cliff Richard, but he said no. <laughs> and I believe it was offered <laughs> to a couple other people before finally a British pop group called Bucks Fizz uh, were offered it. <laughs> and Bucks Fizz is just an odd has an odd little history, doesn't it, Brad? Oh my gosh. If you want drama, if you want drama with your music, then these guys are your guys. And they're not all guys. These people are your people. Um, so the band was kind of formed for, not kind of, I think it was formed for the Eurovision Song Contest in 1981, which our European listeners will know a little bit better than maybe they know some of the commercials we talked about last week, but they'll know about <laughs> Eurovision. The only connection I have to Eurovision is, you know, ABBA won it a million years ago, and 
Steve and I have interviewed a Eurovision Song Contest winner in Katrina yep. from Katrina. And the Katrina. Way. And she could not have been nicer. Oh, my gosh. Oh my. I, I love Katrina. She's fantastic. She's on my list of I don't care where she is in the, the state I'm in. If she's performing, I'm going to find a way to go. Yeah. So they they had like just look over their Wikipedia page and there's like car crashes and bad injuries and people sleeping with other people's spouses and just backstabbing craziness and oh they're a quartet no now they're a trio now they're back to a quartet it's it's crazy like there yeah. should be a movie of this uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know if I don't know if people are going to buy a, a ticket to see I, I'd like to see the Bucks Fizz story I think, I think you're going to have to rename it to Strong Mimosa, which is basically what a Bucks Fizz is. is a mimosa <laughs> with one part orange juice and two parts champagne instead of one and one. Interesting. Yeah. Anyway, so Fun the, fact. Group did, the group did record it. Uh, it was sung by a male instead of a female, and it sounds like this. What's love got to do, got to do with it? different just kind of a different i don't know beat I, the male lead really changes the tone of the song i think yeah i i, I feel like uh, you know i mean yes we're all so familiar with the tina turner version but i think it's demonstratively better and suits the material better in spite of yeah. the producer saying oh this you can't have a woman sing this song <sighs> yeah how's that working out for you champ yeah so bucks fizz i, I still can't say the name without just feeling like I've swallowed a fly. Just makes but you smile. They they were going to put it on their new on their next album. I don't know how many albums they had, but let's just assume they had more than one. But it was shelved because Tina actually was able to get her version out uh, first. So is it a cover song? They did record it first. Tina heard their version. Okay, but I mean, that's the same rationale we used for uh, "Girls Just Want to Have Fun." Yes. So. I say it qualifies. It qualifies. Well, we just recorded it and put it into a show, and we're not redoing it. Ergo. <laughs> QED. We move on. Speaking of another iconic female artist of the 80s, Cher had a cover song in the 80s, and this is it. idea that I found someone was a cover song. If there's anything that screams share in the 80s, it's this one. Yeah, it's funny because from the title, I mean, okay, look, full disclosure, did Brad ever own any share records? No, Brad <laughs> did not. I'm like, I found someone. I don't think I recognize that. Is that the one with the auto-tune? I'm like, no, no, they didn't have auto-tune. No, that's... Um, um, if you believe life, in love or life, life after love or death after yeah. life or I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> so I really didn't recognize this from the title and I heard it and I'm like, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a share song. I, I recognize it. And then I got to do a little research, which we do sometimes try to do for you fine listeners. This is a chart single that was originally written for Laura Branigan, 
by Michael Bolton. Oh, man, so much cheese in one song. And touch keyboardist Mark Mangold. I feel like he's done other stuff. I just I didn't connect that name with any more dots right now. Let's listen to the Laura Brannigan song. Okay, okay. Here's something interesting, too. If, if, if it sounds like there's a, a familiar arrangement to it, uh, uh, credit Harold Faltemeyer. Because he, uh, he helped produce it and he arranged it, so there you go. Nice, nice. I mean, this when you hear Laura's version, again, it's not terribly different, but you can, you know, the compare and contrast between the two is mainly what, what I think you get is Cher's voice just, I can't believe I'm going to say this, it's more soulful. There's, I don't know if it's just the range that she's in or the, the tenor of her voice is different. It's a little deeper and it just, it, it feels more, there's more emotion in it to me. Yeah. It has, I I know you like to talk about the videos and this one I did actually sit down and watch because I had read that her then boyfriend, uh, Rob Camiletti, yeah, who was in, like 14 years old, right? Yeah, something like that. He was he was in he was I guess he was 17 years younger than she was. Yeah. And he wanted to be an actor and this was his big debut. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> I don't I don't think. You know, Heck, that's right. I, we really want to direct. I'm sorry. That's what we really want. Yeah, every once in a while I, I used to always ask the question. And I think it's a revealing question and, and and we'll get back to Rob here in a second. But like if if I gave you a choice of how to how you were going to be, achieve fame, would you rather do it as a musician, an author, or an actor? Hmm. I tend to think at this point in my life, being an author would be the easiest on me personally. Well, no, I mean, you could you could frame the question however you want. You could go. I, you no, could no, rewind I'm, the... I'm saying I'm I'm saying. Well, I'm answering it right now. Right now, I would be an author because I see that. Would I love touring for the rest of my life? I don't know. So I'm going to go with author. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm I could a big go on my of... book tour. I could sign some books. And I could go back home and people leave me alone. I, I think I would go with musician. I, I, like, I like a good sandwich tray. Okay. Yeah. I, you know what? There's another Seggy. Right Steve's concert rider. It would have, uh, have a lot of ice cold Gatorade and a lot of sandwich trays. What about Skittles? Would there be Skittles? No, I don't. I'm not really much of a candy fan. So anyway, so back to Rob. Back to Cher. Back to Cher and Rob. <laughs> so I was watching the video, and I wanted to watch it to catch a glimpse of the would-be actor, but I couldn't because he was uh, basically obscured by what appeared to be a planet-sized version of Cher's <laughs> hair. I have never like I, I love big hair. hair. There's a lot of hair in that video. I love big hair in the '80s. I really do, but. Cher puts it to the test. I mean, it's just like it's comic. It, it, it looks. It's like it's it's some sort of campy display. It's that. Do you think it's a wig? No, but I no. believe that probably a gigantic several ozone. refineries <laughs> worth of petroleum were required to exactly. So anyway, oh my god, it's <laughs> crazy. This was released by Cher as the first single from her eighteenth album. In 1987, 
This was produced by Michael Bolton, who, as you may remember from earlier, before two diversions ago, we he wrote, helped write, and compose the song, and it made it to number ten. Not bad, not bad, Cher. Yeah. Well, I mean, she owned the late eighties. I mean, both yeah. as as an actress and as a singer. Yeah, this was a big musical comeback for her when she was doing a lot of really kind of well well considered acting. You know, she was she had done some really good work on the screen, and this was a chance for her to say, "Hey, guys, I still do this too." You got a you got a personal favorite as far as share movies go? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go with Mask. Yeah, probably Mask. But I'm like, let's see, what else is there? There's Mask. There's Moonstruck. Uh, Moonstruck there's Mermaids. Isn't she a Mermaids? Yeah. Um, I think she was in Police Academy Five. Oh, then put me down for Police <laughs> Academy Five. I, nothing against Cher. I think she does good work in all those movies. They're just not anything that I'm like. Let's sit down and watch Moonstruck. I, as famously is known on the podcast, I've seen Moonstruck exactly once, and that was before we did our Moonstruck episode. <laughs> I that, I find that just I don't know entertaining. I, I I guess it was only a fluke that I saw it because I was. That was like the late eighties, and I think it might have been the year that I I literally went and watched every movie that was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I mean it was okay. I didn't dislike it. I just don't have any connection to the source material, so that's fine. Yeah. Anyway, well, I keep walking around New York waiting for like uh, to to bump into any of the the scenes from oh, from Moonstruck, yeah. but I don't think I'm in the right part of town. <laughs> we'll get you a map. I don't know. The only thing that's on this block really. Uh, that you can see out the window is there. Is there's two vaping shops. No Dwayne Reed. Are you sure you're in New York? If you can't see a Dwayne Reed, there's no Dwayne Reed here. <laughs> I'd never even heard of Dwayne Reed until I until I started coming to New York. And then it's not funny. They're everywhere. They are, but the, the the ones that are nearest to me are Walgreens and CVS, which is like that's so boring. We have those in Florida, but uh, I still haven't been in a Dwayne Reed. Well, it's everything you would hope for in a major chain <laughs> drugstore. I've been. I haven't been in the vape shops either. They scare the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, well, that makes sense. By the way, they they legalized uh, recreational marijuana here. Okay. This week. This week. Wow. So is, that, is Pot Alley going like bananas? Are they lighting off fireworks down there? You know, it's funny. I, I I go to Pot Alley every day to walk the dog, and I walked just before the podcast. It, Pot Alley doesn't smell like Pot Alley anymore. But every other part, like I got on the elevator to come back upstairs and, and it reeked of, of pot. Huh. I, 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 just, I don't have anything against marijuana. I, I don't, I don't, I haven't smoked it since like college. Right. But, and I've never, I've never ingested it or, or, you know, like done the hash brownies or whatever they call them, whatever the, whatever the kids call whatever them. Whatever the stuff. kids are doing these days. I, I don't, I don't have any objection to it. I, I just, I just choose not to do it because. Sure. For what, it's you not know. your, it's not your Jimmy Jam. Yeah, but the one thing I object to is, man, it is the the it's so pungent. Like, there's, there's just no like, oh, were you smoking in here? If, if you have, if you were smoking pot, there's like, it's not a question. It's like, did a skunk die in here? It's so bad. This we're all over the place today. This is what happens. We're kind of are, we're kind of are. This is what happens. When we record at the end of a day. Yeah, or the whole point is that you know, obviously my my weekday drinking ban is. Paying off in some parts of my life, but not on the podcast portion of well, it. Steve, isn't this our time? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. All I know is there better be pizza for dinner when this is all over. Ooh, pizza. Anyway, that sounds good. We're halfway Moving through. On. Moving on. Uh, Juice Newton had a, a cover in the 80s. This one probably not too shocking. Let's hear it. Yes, 
Angel of the Morning. Well-known hmm. song. I don't know. This is one of those songs where it's like, well, did you did you know it was a cover? It's like, I know the song. I don't think I ever knew that it was a Juice Newton song. You didn't know this was a Juice Newton song? I, I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like I, I didn't have the 45 of this at home. I know well, you didn't. No. no, I certainly <laughs> didn't, but... Well, we're coming across as a couple of clods in this episode. That's okay. We, we, you know, we're equal well, opportunity offenders. <laughs> anyway. Let me just say, I really like this song. I think, oh, it's fantastic. Again, I think Juice Newton has a, a great voice, and sure. this is a, a great song. I think if I'm having to pick a favorite Juice Newton song, is this in the top five? But I, it's a great song. It doesn't surprise me that it's a cover just because she's kind of, well, not kind of, she's more of a country musician, and there's just a lot of kind of cross pollinization in in country, right? So sure. you just you're not so surprised that you know oh they also did a version of you know she got the gold mine and I got the shaft or you know whatever it may be. Yeah, when I was doing the research for this, I, I started to wonder because I I think we've talked about Juice Newton on the show you know once or twice, but I don't think we ever I never really delved into the mystery of like why the nickname Juice. Yeah. Uh, it. I can't find a, a really great answer for it other than it was just a, a nickname she got picked that her family gave her when she was growing up. Nice. But but one thing that's interesting was that when she got into a career of music, uh, music execs were t- telling her to drop it and go back to her given name of Judy. No, no, <laughs> no. Music executives are idiots. Juice. Yeah. Stick with yeah, juice. The juice is loose. Oh, wait. That's a different <laughs> juice. Anyway, Angel of the Morning was written and composed by a songwriter named Chip Taylor, and he wrote a lot of songs for artists. Probably best known for, uh, you know, Wild Thing, which for some reason you almost have to sing it when you say it. Wild Thing. Steve, you make my heart sing. If you're an Ace Frehley fan, uh, Chip Taylor also wrote Rock Soldiers, the (laughs) former Kiss guitarist. Okay. Is that the lead single from his second, third, or fourth album? I, I don't think I ever owned any Ace Freely albums, except the solo album he, that all the Kiss members did, you know, where they had their – I think it was late 70s that they did that. Nice. I had, I had the Ace Freely one and I had the Wasn't Gene the Simmons. Freely's Comet? Wasn't there Freely's Comet? Something like that. Anyway, Angel in the Morning was recorded by a lot of people, not just Juice, uh, not just Juice Newton. For some reason, I'm having trouble saying that. Uh, Mary Lee Rush, P.P. Arnold, Connie Eaton, Olivia Newton-John. Hmm. But probably the, the best version is the one by Mary Lee Rush, and it, it sounds like this. Just call me Angel of the morning, Angel. Just touch my cheek before you Nice. Very similar. Not 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 too far of a stray from Yeah, when was that recorded? Because that has a very I mean it's just again it's time and place and some of the the instrumentation in it and the way that it's scored and like the little percussion touches and things. It just it kind of puts it in a time and place. It sounds very very 60s. Yes, exactly. Angel of the Morning would uh get uh, Merrily Rush a Grammy award nomination for this Sweet. record. Look who she was up against though. She was up against Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl, Dionne Warwick for Do You Know the Way to San Jose. Oh my gosh! Aretha Franklin for I Say a Little Prayer, and Mary oh, Hopkin for it. Those... 
<laughs> Mary Hopkins for those were the days. Uh, Dionne Warwick won, by the way. That's so. a that's one of those. I'm just happy to be nominated. I can't believe I'm in such amazing company. You go yeah. to the dinner and you look around, and you shake everyone's hand, and you're like, "Well, that was something." Yeah. Maybe decades from now, a couple of fine lads will do a podcast about me. (laughs) Anyway, as we promised, we were going to book in the show with two Tina Turner songs. Here was another song that, no surprise, this is a cover. What? This is I Can't Stand the Rain. I Can't Stand the Rain was off Private Dancers. Him is the first song. Uh, it was originally recorded by Ann Peebles back in 1973. And there was other versions recorded by uh, uh, Eruption and Lil' George. Here's Ann Peebles' version. According to the story that I've read, one evening in Memphis, like all good stories start with, with the Oh, lines. yeah. If you, if you start your sentence that way, you know it's going to be good. Ann Peebles was, was meeting friends, including her partner, high record staff writer Don Bryant, to go to a concert. And just as they were about to head off to the show, it just started pouring rain. Okay. And Peebles just kind of like snapped and said, I can't stand the rain. And as a professional songwriter who was – Constantly, uh, you know, yearning for new material. Yeah. Uh, got to turn out a new podcast this week. I mean, got to yeah. write a new song this week. Don Bryant, his habit was to to find resonant phrases, you know, that okay. he would pluck pluck out of the air and turn them into songs. And so, boop! I can't stand the rain becomes a song. Um, so there you go. It's on our napkin. I have to say, when I saw this in the rundown, I'm like. Please be a cover of Orange Juice Jones's song "The Rain." Please, please, please. No. It is not. It is. Much to my chagrin, I really wanted to hear Tina Turner talk about some hush puppy wear and crumb cake, but that didn't happen. It, it would go on to become Ann Pe- uh, People's biggest hit. It got to number thirty-eight on the charts when Tina Turner recorded it in nineteen eighty-four for for Private Dancer. It was released as a single in Europe mainly. Okay, it would get successful over there it just it never really resonated with u.s audiences but i mean she it's a pretty much a standard inclusion on her set lists for her shows if you really want an earworm my god when when i was doing the notes for this i walked around for like three days going i can't stand the rain (laughs) so it's which is why we close with it to punish you as steve has been punished you know what else would be kind of punishing this week the Saggies. Ah, it's time for I Want My Mystery TV theme song. Well, 
I guess it is. <laughs> nothing else to say. That's what it I says will. right here on the sheet. That must be true. It just says, I want my mystery TV theme song. Uh, we will play a snippet of a theme song from the 80s. If you get it right, you're entered into the drawing for the postal-friendly bottle opener. Oh, I love the way you say that. Yeah. That one came out int- – it didn't feel as good. I got to admit. I don't know what's wrong with me today. Uh, it's the Aquafina. The water. Some days are the- better than others. Yeah. I don't know. I can't stand the rain. Ah, I can't sing. I don't know if you knew that about me. I hear you do a great job of Funky Cold Medina. That's the only thing I can do. You'll hear it's it on the cruise. got that gravelly voice. Pay attention. Here was the clip from the last time we did this, Seggy. That's American Gladiators. What a great choice. What a great choice, dude. I love this. <laughs> Trying to mix it up a little bit. It it barely comes in. I, I think uh, Gladi- American Gladiators came on in 1989. Just glances the decade. A glancing yeah. blow. And set the stage for such silliness later, uh, like uh, Wipeout, which is the opposite of American Gladiators. It's like American yeah. doofuses. But you can't <laughs> not watch it because it's just like. I don't, people getting bonked in the face and stuff. It's just absolute lowbrow comedy. But I, I don't get. I don't have regular TV anymore. All I have is the streaming services. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't get live TV. So I, there's no temptation for me really to watch any of the the today's programming. <laughs> so all I do is watch Hulu, uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix. I, I do have some news for you, Steve. There are new programs that are showing up on all of those platforms. Yeah, some of them know, made specifically for those platforms. I, do, I just don't. I just don't. I watched Shit's Creek. I watched, okay. um, but that was that was actually on Pop TV. So I, I, I don't want to get on a rant, an anti TV rant, but it's one of those things. I just I, don't. There's some new stuff out there that I think is really good. Okay. I don't know if you've seen Ted Lasso. I have not. Oh. It's hilarious. It's and it just has so much heart. You think it's going to be this kind of one joke series about? Oh, look, a soccer team in England hired an American football coach to be their coach. He doesn't know anything about soccer. And you're like, okay, this is going to be the same joke every. You know, it's just going to be fish out of water all all the way through. But there's a lot more to it than that. Give it a look if you've got Apple TV Plus. Oh, it's Apple TV Plus. Well, I don't yeah. have that. So I, I yeah, I got a new iPad and it came with a subscription. So I'm like, okay, we'll give it a look. <laughs> Anyway, we did have some winners who got it right. Why don't you read some names? Oh, here we go. Winners this week include Joseph Perdue, Crispy Critter, Gene and Hollister, Tom Corn in Austria, Dave Estel, Rick and Kenosha, Brian Pond, Alan B., Tommy Doucette, Mike from the Slotes, Dave in Oxford, Chris Deep Cut Sampson, Matt D. in Oregon, John in L.A. Center, Kentucky, Sal from Buffalo, and Dave in an undisclosed location. Here's my coded message to you, Dave in an undisclosed location. Postal-friendly bottle opener. In mail today. Good. I was going to say, he finally had to disclose the location or else he, he wasn't going to get his... But I'm not sharing that with you, gentle listener. Oh, no. That would be a serious breach of trust. <laughs> okay, spin the wheel. Let's find out who gets a uh, postal-friendly bottle opener. Here we go. Looks like it's going to land on Dave in Oxford. You're this week's winner. So uh, email us your postal address. 
mailing address, whatever and address. Off and, it goes. Uh, and then check the mailbox daily because you never know when a postal-friendly bottle opener might arrive. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. Wow, the enunciation. Mm. Very rare for this point of the show. Normally, I'd be slurring my words and ordering Dominoes. chair. You guys, you, you don't even know the, the thumps and bumps I have to edit out when he falls asleep in the middle. You have to edit out the, when I start thumping my microphone stand, which I, I haven't I, touched today. I so. try to do that, but most often you do it when you're talking, so I can't take it out. Uh, I don't think anyone cares. You get very excited and you use it to emphasize points. Well, bam. And another thing, Williams, you and this <laughs> microphone stand suck. This is the microphone stand that I use here. There's one in New York and there's one in, in Florida. The sure. one in New York, uh, future wife uses it to keep the toaster oven door shut when she's toasting something. <laughs> it's the, the toaster oven is so broken that uh, it won't fully close. But if you take the microphone stand and jam it up against it, you can actually make toast. Is that a coded uh, a coded request for something off of gift list Regis- for the wedding? The re- I don't think we registered. I don't think we registered for a toaster oven. I keep threatening to buy her one for here, but her kitchen's you know it's a New York kitchen. It's right. Uh, space is at a premium. It's so small you can barely change your mind in there. Yes, you got it nailed. Anyway. Uh, as you know, uh, email us at podcast.sats.com and tune in soon. Find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. I want to show you something. This is a Plymouth McLean. It's got so much room. It holds six big, gorgeous men. Now, this is something I like in a car. Acclaim, first-class travel for the price of coach from Plymouth. That's right, Plymouth. And we're back. And this is a weird thing we're going to do now. So last week's show was about TV commercials that were earworms. Right. And I thought it was a good show. I really I enjoyed recording it, and I really enjoyed listening to the, the final product. Um, but I guess at some point during the show, we talked about Missouri, the state of Missouri. You threw a little shade. A little Did shade. Did I? Was it me? What did I say? I said, I, just, said, I said I'd never been there. You said Missouri, and it sounds a lot like misery. Oh. Well, that the pronunciation does. Yes. I've never been there, but you have been there, and you, you said that it was spread out and flat. Uh, right? That's what the cities are like, yes. Yes. So – because I'm a city guy, it. apparently. Now I don't know anything about the country no more. Yeah. So, oddly enough, we got a lot of feedback on that. Yeah, Missouri uh, Nation had some things to say. Jim from Missouri wrote and said, okay, this is not something I typically do, but you need to be called out on something. Here it goes. The great state of Missouri is a very beautiful and awesome state. That is all, Jim. Okay. Short and to the point. Love it. You could have made a pitch for the toasted Ravs, I guess. That's really the only food item I know about. And our longtime friend, Kevin Serving Wench, wrote and <laughs> I, I think you should let me read this one. Okay. Here we go. So Kevin wrote, first of all, Brad, the part of Missouri I live in is not flat, not by a long shot. I know you mentioned St. Louis and KC and those northern parts might be more flat. 
but they don't call Southwest Missouri the Ozarks for nothing. We are around the Ozark Mountains, and we've got hills aplenty. Come visit, and I'll show you. I think Dave Dirt, who grew up in Southwest City, about 45 miles or so from me, would agree. We are not all flat. We are definitely not A or B cup. (laughs) Okay, Kevin, I'm going to set aside any problematic nature of using women's body parts to describe global topography, and I'm just going to make a few statistical observations. These are fact-based observations. The highest point in Missouri is 1,772 feet above sea level. That makes it the 41st lowest high point in the states of the United States. Ooh, really big there. Also, I'm looking out my window as I record this, and I see a peak that is four times that high from my boring suburban California house. Don't tell me how hilly you are, bro. End of rant. Stick to the toasted ravs. Anyway, uh, we did get another email. This is really weird. From Michael Dodd from Australia, who says he didn't mind the Missouri slams, but he hated the past couple of episodes. Oh. <laughs> he writes, hey, guys, just providing some feedback in the most recent uh, ads episode in the instrumental show. They were okay, but not really my cup of tea. I'm not a massive fan of instrumentals, and the first episode was from when I was two years old. I'm more into the 80s than the 70s. Oh, Michael, just lord your young years over us like that. (laughs) Uh, He continues, I'm from Australia. Is that very hilly, Brad? Australia, I haven't really done my research there, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm from Australia, so I barely do any of the advertisements as we have similar companies but but with different ads. Okay. Sorry to be a Debbie Downer. I listen to the show religiously and love nearly everything you guys throw at us. Just not these. <laughs> I have to say okay. I hadn't considered the fact that international listeners might be scratching their heads a little bit over the Kit Kat jingle. No, I I, to- I totally get that, Mike. Yeah. I, 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 I remember I messaged Brad or I may have even actually picked up the phone and called him. I was like, oh, man, we just – we totally brain farted on that one. You know, like Some of these commercials probably have never been seen outside the U.S. So <clears throat> anyway. We're idiots. It's a good point. As far as the instrumental thing goes, though, I mean, we weren't. The whole point is that we're we're trying to give you like an idea of this is the music that led us into the '80s. I mean, it wasn't like uh, you know, you know, the room was dark and suddenly someone flipped on the light switch and there were the '80s. There was (laughs) there was a transition bringing to life from the closet. So I mean, what we're trying to do, and we've done it in previous episodes too about the '70s, is we're trying to we're trying to show like this is the on ramp. We're, we're yeah. coming up to speed. Right. I suspect what we're going to do with the instrumentals is we'll probably group them into like groups of years. So it'll be like yeah. you know, 1977 to 1980 or something like I that. Mean, the, I mean, the really truth is we could f- find instrumentals from all of those years, but we may not be able to find instrumentals that are particularly interesting. So. Right. Or ones or that are notable. Yeah. Listen to. I mean, I wasn't into. I was not into instrumentals either in the 80s. So go figure. Anyway, as far as our Missouri friends go – uh, they got the last laugh because they they subscribed us to a um, I Heart Missouri <laughs> e newsletter <laughs> that we just got today, and but Brad took care of that. No worries. Uh, I'll I'll tidy it up. No problem. We find out who it was. We're going to subscribe you to a bedwetters one. I'm just saying. 
But uh, hey, no harm. We're just having a little bit of fun. I, I mean, if, you know, if you want, I can continue to just disparage the states of Ohio and Michigan. I got plenty more material. We'd be for those disappointed two. if you didn't, you know, defend your homeland. You know, just like as yes. the Beach Boys said, "Be true to your school." Yeah, and just to show no hard feelings, here's a song by Johnny Cash. But in the meantime, Brad and I remain here, though not quite Missourians. <laughs> Still, two regular guys who were just stuck in the 80s. Way down in Missouri, where I heard this melody. When I was a little fellow on my mammy's knee. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And thanks for listening. Hush by my baby Go to sleep on daddy's knee Journey back to Dixie